0: Hello and welcome to Above the Mess, the podcast that follows three creators as we bounce between our interests, dive down rabbit holes, navigate our brains and come up in wonderland. I'm Rosemary Orchard, and with me are Maddie Van Houten and Izzy Miller. Hello. Hi, Rose. Hello. How are y'all? Excited to be back, as always. Feeling awake today, maybe. (laughs) Seeing as we are back, we might have some follow-up from last time. I believe, Izzy, your, your digital minimalism project is still ongoing, among other things. It sure is.
1: It's changed a little bit from my initial total cutoff, and I've been using perhaps more than I intended to at the beginning of the month. There's simply been some days where I haven't had the spoons to really do much else come the end of the day, other than pulling up um, something on YouTube to to fill an hour. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with spoon theory, but perhaps for the sake of the audience, um, spoon theory is basically the idea that you only have so many spoons to give to a given thing in a day. Um, And a lot of neurodivergent people use this analogy that if calling the doctor costs a spoon, and if doing your job takes two spoons, and if cleaning the dishes is a spoon and cooking is a spoon, but you've only got four spoons on a given day, you're going to need to... Decide what you really can do because if you run out of spoons, that's a mental block that you're not getting past at some level.
0: Yeah, I I completely get that, and uh, that's actually something I've not thought about it in a spoon theory type context, but something that I've been struggling with in some cases recently, uh, which has led me to create a rule of I do not have to finish all the things. I just need to like try a little bit at some of it because guess what? If I have a pile of dishes in my kitchen, one clean dish. Better than, you know, zero clean dishes. So I'm I'm trying that as well. But uh, yeah, I'm glad to hear that it is still ongoing, even if you're, you know, even if it's changed a little bit. Um, Maddie, how's it going with the reduced project load?
2: Um, well, let's put it this way. One of our friends made me a poster that says, should Maddie take on a new thing? And the entire graph is no. One of the sections is no. And then the other is no, but in orange. And I have to look at the sign every single day because my brain is like, hey, you're letting go of some things. Maybe we should do something else. Um, Example, I was like, maybe I can make a custom fanny pack to walk the dogs. That's a bum bag for our UK friends Um, to hold like the, you know, the roll of doggy bags and treats and whatever else I need. And I was like, you know what? I could probably just buy one. I bet someone makes that. Um, And our friends tried to convince me not to make one. And I argued until today. Until today when I was like, why am I trying to get something else on my plate? Yeah. Brains are fun. (laughs) So that one's going to be an ongoing project for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? How's the... uh How's the email consolidation going?
0: I'm going pretty well. Uh, I am no longer inbox zero to nobody's surprise. I am terrible at the inbox zero thing, but I am doing a lot better at like clicking through things and going to actually unsubscribe from stuff and deleting email as it comes in. And I am in the process of creating some, some better rules and stuff to handle things that I have already read, which I can then just run that rule manually to clear some stuff out, which I think is probably a large benefit to me overall. And uh, Even if I don't necessarily stick with my current exact system, that element of it is certainly going to stay because I've realized that creating an automation to clean up after I have done the things that I needed to do manually is totally fine. I can't automate the whole process, but automating little bits of it works for me. So, yeah. That's great. Uh, today's topic, though, is one Izzy brought up. Uh, you, you found this amazing video. Um, I, I, I'd never heard of, uh, I believe you pronounced the name ViHart before. I checked on the website. And uh, wow, th- this this was a rabbit hole. I, I love this video so much.
1: Yeah, Viheart is honestly one of my favorite YouTube channels. She's been creating videos, honestly, as long as I can remember using YouTube, and calls herself a math and musician which is a term I just love. Mm -hmm. And she's made some wonderful videos exploring math topics in creative ways, and in a way that really inspires interest in math for its own sake. And this video, uh, titled 12 Threads, there'll be a link in the show notes, was really a reflection over a lot of the things she's done, both recently and more long term. And with a lot of reflection about what it means to make videos on the internet, and what it means to be interested in things and to try things. And the video is full of really great examples of her struggling with failure, struggling with ideas that didn't come out the way that she expected struggling with revisiting topics and struggling with the mess of things that can occupy your brain and how all of those interact
0: I think that th- there was a lot of there were a lot of things in this video that spoke to me in many ways and I particularly loved the way that the the topics seemingly were unrelated to each other but everything really was woven together which was very much you know at least i felt it was maybe i'm wrong i can't speak you know completely but i felt like that was the purpose of you know seemingly unrelated things can actually come together and do often come together to provide a whole bunch of information when you're least expecting it to tie together um or at least it seemed to me at the beginning of the video these things are completely unrelated why are they in the video this is interesting though so i will keep watching it um and then bam at the end I'm just there going, everything is kind of neatly tied up in a bow.
2: Yeah, on a meta note, the way that Vi in this video kind of represents how all of these things were floating around in her brain as um, I think one was a crumpled up piece of paper. There was some tissue paper floating around. Mm -hmm. She had the 12 threads in there as like strips of paper that she wrote what they were on later. And then at one point, she's dumping a bunch of octahedron dice into this big glass face. And I was like, she gets it. She gets it. This is what brains are. (laughs) And I just thought, you know, yeah, this video was great. Um, Just even that meta note was just someone has been able to see me through the Internet. I was like, "That's my brain." Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I was I was looking at the glass head, and every single time I saw it, um, except when it was empty, my brain went, "Hi, it's me." Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I feel very seen, but I think that that's a good thing because there were a lot of really interesting points that were made throughout this video. Um, and I know Izzy, you've pulled out some some quotes, and th- there were a lot of things, but especially, you know, comparing yourself with other people that came up a few times, and I thought that and particularly the way that Vi saw, saw it or spoke about it was really interesting um, just because there, were, it was a very good point of basically, you know, we have to compare ourselves to our own standards, not other people's standards. Um, and that to me was really both interesting and also something that I need to be reminded of. I, I know this, but there's knowing it and actually really understanding it and putting it into practice and I just think the way it was phrased here helped that click a little better for me which was really good.
1: Towards the beginning of the video, one of the projects that she's working on during it is based on the BTS promotional poster had an octahed had an octahedral die on it and there was a ribbon around that die and that caught her interest. And she was wondering if she could make a symmetrical wrapping of the die with ribbons. And on that, reflecting on whether it made sense or was something that she wanted to do, Vi says, meaningless things are allowed to inspire genuine meaning within us. And that particularly stood out to me because so much of what I do The inspiration itself is not perhaps meaningful or perhaps the meaning is what I bring to it, but it's that genuine meaning within us, the ways in which we react to and create based on the things we experience that really makes a huge difference. And she goes on later with this to say that this is the constant struggle, that everything always takes longer and more effort than it should. With that should, meaning that everything always takes longer and more effort than other people's expectations of what we should be able to do. And sometimes those expectations are backed by entire social systems. Sometimes those shoulds are enforced through our income, our safety and stability. So it's no surprise when those expectations of us become our expectations of ourselves.
2: Yeah, that entire section made me recoil in a way that I was like, why are you speaking truths that I didn't know I needed to hear? Personally, that one hit me a lot because, yeah, my entire life up until recently, I was like, "Uh, everybody expects me to be this. Everybody expects me to do this. And then I was finally like, what do I expect? And Mm -hmm. I think that's something that Vi is trying to say, like, hey, you should think about this. Are you actually doing what you expect? Are you doing what the world expects of you?" And I thought that was a really, really powerful statement in the middle of a powerful video. It was 30 minutes of just pure
0: everything in this is great. <laughs> I definitely agree with that. And uh, there is, you know, so much that we automatically do. It's kind of ingrained in, in most of us, I would say, in, on, in some level or other, that we, we do things because it is expected. And it is a worthwhile endeavor to challenge where these expectations come from um, or to at the very least think about it and consider it because if you are doing things only because it's expected of you and you have no real interest in it in doing it or desire to do it yourself then you know okay sure you you need to work at a job probably so that you have enough money to pay the bills fine but can you can it be a job that you enjoy more than your current one or do you actually have to work Forty hours a week to do that, or could you work fewer hours in a week and be happier, even if you technically have less income? And uh, yeah, there were there were a lot of things that I immediately thought of as part of this. Something we
1: were talking about in our first episode, talking about our philosophy about our philosophies towards productivity, are that we all really value doing things because they're important, and meaningful to us. And this really reminds me of that, but also that the things that are meaningful to us and the things that we expect of ourselves are so intertwined with social expectations and social values that just to say we want to do the things that matter to us is not almost sufficient introspection, that looking at why things matter to us And the context in which they matter is just as important.
2: I don't know about you guys, but um, one of the things that Vi said in this video was that, you know, we have finite time and finite attention. And personally, my philosophy of doing things that make me happy comes from that and comes from another thing she said about um, in a kind of questioning the world tone, everything we spend our time and attention on must be worthy of that time and attention right <laughs> and i believe she even ended it with a question mark um i didn't write down the full quote cuz i was walking around and just writing down my thoughts but um yeah so our philosophy is coming from this kind of same this same thought space as i was it it was something that struck me and i wonder if that's what she's going for trying to get more people to think hey what's what's actually meaningful to me and not meaningful to the world because you know yeah if something like a ribbon wrapped die needs to come into existence and you need to make it go for it like if that's what you need to do do it the social structures we live in especially
1: capitalism really has depictions of value through it really enforces an idea of what is valuable and what is not along very specific economic lines And we absolutely see it in the way people think about arts in school, the way people think about music in school. And it's really worth, in a context of something like capitalism, where objectively, a lot of the values of capitalism cause a lot of harm to a lot of people, to examine those in ourselves and to make sure that we are not allowing ourselves to, by default... Act in ways that are harmful to other people, act in ways that are racist, act in ways that are classist or sexist.
0: And I think that is a a very good point because there was something else mentioned in the video of, um, you know, waste versus impact and what actually feels impactful. And Vi talks about this when uh, talking about all the different dice that were purchased to collect data um, to, um, you know, actually verify what different kinds of dice could they she or they find. Um, and, you know, I I I thought that was, you know, very interesting because yes, there is waste, but equally, this it wasn't just purchased for fun. Obviously there was an element of fun in there because who doesn't love really awesome dice sets? And there were some really lovely ones there. Um, but they were, you know, purchased with the purpose of collecting data, um, which was great. And of course, you know, if there's tiny swans inside who doesn't love that too um but you know considering what is wasteful versus what is impactful that that can of course apply to physical items but that can also apply to you know time because what is a waste of your time versus what is actually impactful and to you personally versus your small circle versus a larger circle versus the world you know it does it really matter to people if I spend five minutes uh, sitting here writing down some notes of things that are in my head? Probably not, but it matters massively to me because those things have been sitting around in my head, rolling around just like the dice were in that glass head. And so, me sitting down for five minutes and writing those things out was theoretically wasteful because am I going to do anything with these? Maybe not, but you know what? It was impactful for me, which, which really, you know, I think. Is worth considering, you know, with both regards to the the consumerism as well as you know the mental overhead of waste versus impact.
1: The trick with impact is that some things you really know what the impact of an action will be before you do it, but the things that are most impactful you usually don't. Mm -hmm. And something that Vihar talks about later in the video, and I'll quote again here, is that. A lot of people seem to act, quote, as if without the hope of charting a complete map, no exploration is worthwhile. As if, if we can't be sure of doing something perfectly to its definitive conclusion, it's not worth doing at all. But I think it's beautiful to dive into a problem, not knowing whether it's solvable at all, or to dive into projects, not knowing whether they'll lead to completion or to any reward and to just do it anyways. And it's so important to me when thinking about impact to remember that if you know what the impact's going to be, that probably means that it's a relatively small impact relative to the other things that you could do and their potential impact. Not to say it's not worth doing, but to remember that the things where you don't know
2: the impact are often where the largest impacts lie. That section really resonated with me as well, not just in the ways that like, We can be, I guess, cognizant of smaller impacts versus larger impacts, but Vi is kind of like exploring here the problem with being a perfectionist in in a society that values results. You don't even have to be a perfectionist. If we don't know that we're going to get the solution, if we don't know if we're going to get an answer, a lot of people, myself included, have trouble jumping in and just starting, just finding the map and, um, you know going on the journey. And I believe a couple couple minutes after that, she said, you know, the journey itself can still be worth it. Mm. And I think that especially like, especially with this and like her musings on waste and sh- she was saying it was the dice that she was hung up on when she could have, you know, spent five minutes talking to her representative on the phone. Although we can argue about whether that actually does anything, you know. Um, I just think those all connect together in this kind of, interesting way where guilt is kind of a weapon used against people in our current world you feel guilty for doing something that's not worthwhile in heavy air quotes we feel guilty for doing something that's just fun something that's meaningless for everyone else except you for buying you know 10 bags of dice because you know we're taught that or told that it's our fault that the world is burning the world is dying I'm going to blame Amazon on that one. Why did they send them all in, you know, 17 different packages? Put them all together, guys. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand that one. But anyway, so my point is this guilt that we feel constantly about all different kinds of things like about starting without having a idea of where we're going to end up or of of wasting resources, of wasting time, of wasting our our potential, our power, our intelligence. Yeah, I just think that is something that not a lot of people think about enough. Let's put it that way. Don't think about it enough. I'm sure there are people out there who are thinking, "Oh, I know exactly what
0: you're talking about." <laughs> Been guilted my whole life. I think that that is a, a very good point because even if we're not consciously aware of it, it these things are sitting in the background for these for everything. Um, and just to go back to the journey topic as well, sometimes you know. I actually feel like there's almost no point in doing things because I know exactly how it's going to end up um, and therefore it's pointless, but also sometimes those are the things that are worth doing because I will actually learn something new by taking a different path to get to that destination than I've taken before. Even if I drive exactly the same road to the supermarket every single time, I will see new and interesting things on the way there. That metaphor can be applied to many things. Sure, I know how to change this thing in code theoretically um, for this thing at work, but then I get to it and it's actually completely different because it was originally somebody else who did, and they had a different approach or something. Life is a constant journey of hidden features and so on. And short, sure, there are bugs on the way, there there are pitfalls and, and natural wonders everywhere we go, um, but we we won't find out about them with the chain of guilt hanging around our neck that we aren't responsible for. And that is something that I've been thinking about ever since watching this and will probably be thinking about for several more weeks.
1: (laughs) This really speaks to also a struggle I have in between picking up new hobbies and working on projects in hobbies I've picked up previously. One of the things I really love about new hobbies um, is that exploration of not knowing what the right way to do things is and finding that way out. And something I struggle with in hobbies I've done for longer is the lack of that sense of exploration at some level that once I feel like I have reached a point, not of mastery, but of knowing what I came to it to learn, Mm -hmm. that I struggle then to go back to that hobby. And At the same time, there is this pressure towards mastery, this pressure towards now that you've learned the skill and done the exploration, like now you have to use it for something. Yeah. And that pressure is always there. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's really hard to tell how much of wanting to go back to any given hobby is that pressure versus how much of it is that I do want to go back to it myself.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. I struggle with the same thing, Izzy, all the time. And, you know, sometimes those hobbies, we're just done with them. We wanted to learn how to, you know, carve a spoon. I still want to do that. I haven't done that yet. We just wanted to learn how to carve a spoon. We didn't want to learn how to carve every cool fresco on the side of a Nordic hut. I don't know. You know, we don't want to learn the mastery techniques. We just want to learn enough to be able to say, I did that once. That was great. Or, you know, whatever our goal is, it's not always mastery. I honestly blame Malcolm Gladwell for mastery pressure. Ten thousand hours, man, get out of here! <laughs> like, not everybody wants to spend ten thousand hours carving a spoon or whatever and mastering that. Not everybody wants to do that. And then the pressure that comes with—I've picked up a new hobby. Oh, what are you going to do with it? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
2: have a hobby. I—I <laughs> I actually was just thinking about this last night with my partner. I turned to him and I said, "You know, the only..." thing that I can think of off the top of my head that I enjoy, but never wanted to pursue any further is singing. I sing in the shower and I sing in the car and that's it. That's as far as I ever wanted to go. And I'm fine with that. So why do I keep trying to make businesses out of everything I do? Which, you know, some of them I actually want to do, but do I really want to sell sewn things? Do I really want to do this? You know? And I think that pressure is coming, like you said, Izzy, like how much of that is actually us? How much of it is society? And how much
0: of it is this guilt? This heavy, heavy chain of guilt. I see mastery as well very much like what I said in the video. It, it's the end of the map, isn't it? Like You're expected to go to the end of the map. There is no, like, I'm just going to go this far along, along the road and see what's there. Cool. That's great. I'm going to go try a different thing now. It is always this expectation that you will finish things. And that is often includes mastering things. Um, and honestly, this, I think possibly is one of the reasons why I gave up trying to learn crochet so many times, because guess what? I I, I tried it a couple of times. It's like, I'm never going to be good at this. I'm just going to give up. It's like, uh, okay, but were you enjoying it? To which the answer is yes. So I should go back to trying to learn to crochet because it was fun. Um, I don't have to have the mastery of it which you know i I think is a good thing because when you are learning things you know it it often feels like time disappears and you get to enjoy the the process of knowing nothing which is fabulous as you said Izzy.
2: related to that rose you should take inspiration from our friend kim they just like to knit scarves they don't want to learn how to knit in the round They just want to knit scarves and they do all year round and gift them to people. And it's great. It's just so wholesome. And I'm jealous of that. Like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And this is all I want to do. Fantastic. Maybe one day they'll choose to move on, but they don't have to. Mm. And they've avoided that guilt of having to learn more. And I'm just so, so jealous of that. Sometimes I want that, you know?
0: (laughs) I think that is actually something that can – um you know feel like we are being forced to move ourselves along though like the other people's envy and jealousy of what we have managed to do with some of these things that we are doing happily you know and they're they're going oh if i were you then i would no that that is a guilt that you're putting on me that is somebody else's should not mm-hmm. my should like this isn't my personal choice to you know, be subjected to whatever it is you would do. Um, and even if they don't say it or phrase it in exactly that way, some of that kind of still ends up leaking through, even if we're not, not aware of it in that moment. And one of the things Vi said, um, Izzy, you wrote down this quote, so I'm going to steal it, is sometimes a precious free afternoon where I had actual things I needed to get done is going to up and disappear because something stupid wants to be brought into existence. And if I don't do it, no one will. This I resemble this statement. <laughs> um, th- this is me. Um, and so often an afternoon disappears because I am in- I'm enjoying learning how to do something and doing it wrong. Um, or I'm getting started with something and just having fun. And at the end of it, I could have an amazing success, or I could have a failure, and none of it could work. But it was a really fun afternoon. And, you know, yeah, I had things I needed to get done, but isn't fun important too? Oh, fun is so important. It
1: really is. In one of Rose's other podcasts, Nested Folders, her co-host Scotty made a comment that I really agree with, that our productivity software holds a list of the things we're not doing right now more than it holds the list of the things we are doing. And when I lose an afternoon, which I have many times in the past and I will many times in the future, it's very much about that sense in task management that I will get to those things eventually. But the things that I've even highlighted for myself as things that I need to do today, often aren't critical to do today specifically, but they are critical in the near future. There's almost always flexibility about when things gets done. And it's so important when planning to keep that in mind and not to plan things for the last possible minute for myself. Because if they're at the last possible minute, there's a Good
2: chance they might just not happen, which isn't ideal. Can you teach me how to not procrastinate until the last minute? Because I need
0: that. No. Dang it. No, I cannot. No, I'm, I'm afraid I can completely and utterly fail at teaching you that. But, you know, I I can fail at teaching you that if you like. Um, procrastination is a What I can teach you drug.
1: is making sure it shows up on your list two days before so you can procrastinate for two days and then do it. Because I've gotten pretty good at that.
0: That sounds nice. I might try that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, hiding things until the, the appropriate time um, is is a time-honored tradition for me, because yeah, otherwise I will be aware that I am procrastinating more. That's not necessarily a bad thing, I guess. I don't know. It, it feels like I end up with a lot of guilt, basically, because I'm procrastinating on doing the thing, and I shouldn't be procrastinating on doing the thing, but equally – I'm aware of it. Just it's not a good thing, um, but yeah, it's a hell of a drug. And uh, also, deadlines are um, very, very, very good for making you get things done. Um, but to go back to losing time, I lost a weekend. Um, I realized on Sunday evening that I had spent most of the weekend doing a bunch of things on my blog. The thing on my task list was to add a search, which took me a grand total of five minutes at the start of Saturday and then everything else happened and i have no idea where it went but equally i came out of the weekend going hmm so i didn't do any of the things i wanted to do literally any of them um and i ended up having to get up early on monday morning to to deal with a few of those things before work but you know what it was a good weekend nobody else could have done what i did for me nobody else would have done it even if i paid them because I wouldn't have been able to pay them that much money for it. And it was fun. And I learned a lot out of the experience and I gained a lot of things. And I can, you know, enjoy that fact, even if there is some regret with the fact that I didn't do the other things that I had intended to do and they are still hanging around. But you know what? Those things will be hanging around again at some point in the future. Sometimes it's worth just going, you know what, these routine things, I'm just going to skip them. Markham is done. Come back to them next time they pop up. It's okay.
2: It is okay. I mean, you're saying, you know, you didn't do anything you wanted to do that weekend, but obviously some part of you wanted to do the things on your blog. Mm -hmm. Isn't that enough? I mean, how did Vi put it? Live your life as if it's not a results factory for someone else. I just think, Rose, if you wanted to lose that weekend, I mean, you probably didn't want to lose the weekend. You probably wanted to, you know, know you were spending the weekend on nothing else. But if you wanted to do those things, you did them. Great. No problem. And that's something I also struggle with. What did I say on Sunday? Oh, yeah. I got home from a trip and I went upstairs to unpack and then I was going to go down and garden because it was beautiful out. And instead, I turned over everything in my office and, you know, just started moving things around again. It's like, I didn't intend to do that, but I needed to. There was, you know, guilt about letting the garden keep looking like it is, but it's fine. Who cares? It's in the backyard nobody can see it.
0: <laughs> yeah, the the magic of what happens by chance without us necessarily consciously planning it, I think is something you know we should enjoy um, because you know sometimes you do absolutely have to live by a calendar and a schedule and everything's planned out and mapped out for you. and so you go to the thing and you do this, you go to the thing and you do that blah 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 blah. and then you come home and there are exactly two choices. eat dinner and sleep or don't eat dinner and sleep. And that's it. And sometimes, you know, life ends up just being like that. And, you know, there, there are moments, probably most of us had this when we were in school, um, where, you know, it was a case of you go to this class, you go to that class, and you do your homework, and you're done. But where you can have the freedom to make choices, even ones that maybe on the surface of them seem like bad choices. If you end up happy and you enjoy the end of the road that you've got to with that, whether or not that is the end of the global road or the end of your personal road, be happy.
2: Be happy is a good is a good message to get from this video. And just to kind of bring us back around, I wanted to read to you one of the things that Vi said at the end or close to the end of this video. And she said, If we wait for the things that would find us, then we will meet the things that will find us. But if we pay attention and let ourselves be vulnerable, we can find the pieces of the world on which we can build our own meaning. And I just think, yeah, that's what we need to do. We need to let ourselves find what works for us and not let the guilt weigh us down and bring things to us. Vi, great video. I hope you listen to this podcast. That would be great. Hero. (laughs) From the time I was in high school watching your videos in math class. Don't tell my teachers. But yeah, that's all we've got today and for this week. So this has been Above the Mess. I'm Maddie Van Houten and I can be found at flexpotential.com. Izzy Miller can be found on stardust.fm and from there everywhere else on the internet. And Rosemary Orchard can be found at rosemaryorchard.com and at rosemaryorchard on Twitter. That's all we've got this week. It was good to talk to you guys. Goodbye, everyone. Can't wait to talk again. Bye.